Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some exclusive features over in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on August 26, 2020, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat, as we continue our discussion over the lore book Trials and Tribulations. This particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the advanced session of this week's exploration. Congratulations to those who signed up for a deeper dive. Before we go any further, however, let's take a quick introduction with... Let's have a quick introduction of who we all have on the show with us. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86. I am trying not to run into a wall while consecutively talking, and it's entertaining green. It is entertaining me because I heard in inflammation earlier in your Did introduction. I really? So ah, yeah, I, I wasn't quite I wasn't quite sure. It was just it was so quick and then you moved on. I'm like, did I hear that right? Mm-hmm. Is this oh, a thing? see, I'm going to edit that out so everyone else has that same response. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Make everyone feel crazy because that is where we are at, people. That is where we're at now. I am green-eyed music lover, as always. And in the hot seat with us tonight, our good friend Kaz has joined us for this crazy episode. Kaz, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Hi, everyone. Peace. So just as a refresher, since those people who have listened to the introduction episode may have had a few days to let everything percolate, and they may not have added you on Twitter or followed you or done any of the things, remind them where they can go to do that. So they should go do that, a.k.a. go follow this man. <laughs> Twitter is darkwingman, darkwingman, one word. I got to change that. But uh, if you can't remember that, Kaz underscore PhD on Twitch. Uh, all my links are there. And uh, yeah, come come hang out with us. Usually live uh, 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. Very nice. Very nice. All right, Blue. We are we are ready Chad's to go back me, into this. Chad's giving me a hard time. Apparently I even messed up the date. So just just enjoy this this mishap. Look, running running nightfall or ordeals while trying to do an intro is is a fun project, okay? It's Better than you trying to do some of the other things you've done while this we've is recorded. true. This is true. It's no thorn I, quest, but I really want at some point. I really want people if they've never jumped into the live stream to do that to see the kind of BS that he does while we're recording <laughs> because it's as amusing to watch him flail and like you hear it in his voice a little bit so it's like a, it's like a really pretty commentary on the state of things when blue is just getting pommeled by various uh cabal <laughs> while trying to have a deep discussion on the philosophy behind these different characters and whatnot it's just yeah. it's just like point as an interceptor like throws him off a cliff or something oh right? my gosh 
Did you guys You'll hear yeah, it so every last, once in a while? He'll, the last oh my gosh. recording, I was up against the champion, and the entire team decided to keep going, and I wasted a super. I was so annoyed. I was like, oh, and I'm like, <laughs> it's one of those things where you, you really want to say things, but you're recording, and it's like, mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh Absolutely. man. But well, enough with enough with chatter about my shenanigans. Uh, you want to just jump right into it? We did a we did a pretty good summary on the uh, <laughs> Penn says you can't blame him this time. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty good summary on the book I think last time. So I don't know. Do you want to just start? Because this this book actually covers a quite a bit. Um, I don't know how you want to how you want to tackle this particular challenge, Green. So what I thought we would do, if it's okay with you, I do want to skip chapter one <laughs> and chapter nine for now. I'm totally surprised by that. <laughs> Just because it needs its own episode. <laughs> Both chapter one and chapter nine, the opening and closing of this book are, there's enough mystery within those two cards alone to be an entire episode of FFC. Just like mm-hmm. go read it it's really it really would be its own dive so i want to skip over it for now uh, if you want to do like a very basic introduction of what you get in chapter 1 it is the it, it is the seeding i guess you can say of mercury taking place um you see it through the possibility of two different perspectives one being the primary speaker perspective and the secondary speaker kind of interjecting throughout this entire card it describes the vex being born a little bit more as well as just kind of sets up the tone for nothing else in the book um it's just it's quick, so quick question on that do yeah. we have like a term for this kind of like whisper speak that uh you know, anytime the like in the constellation lore book in this page, I like that term the, uh, that you just you just used actually. Yeah, Whisper I think speak. that's that's our term. Yeah, I think that's a it's perfect accepted. term for it because there's t- um, we discussed this a little bit on a different episode that the constellations book uses double pipes versus the single pipe that is used in this book, but they are both very much so whisper speak being used as a secondary speaker. So I I like that better than having a secondary speaker idea because it just really it's just that little gnawing bit that's right there in your ear. So I really thank you. You gave us the new term for what we're it's going to be using from now on. It's definitely more. Uh, it's definitely more PG than the term that Green was using. I don't remember what I was using. It was filled with really f- colorful words. <laughs> the and a lot that, longer. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I mean, me cursing at it is. It is a pain to record this card. I have tried. I have tried so very hard to record this card, and it just doesn't read audio-wise the way that you would want it to read. And it's just... Yeah, I feel like it. it's one of those things where you would just write it down, and then you'd write it down again, but excluding the brackets, and then you'd write it down again mm-hmm. with them. It's Yeah, yep. do you change your voice when you do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's its own thing. But it's I think we thing. should... It is. It is its own thing. It is. It sets up the setting really well for what's like where they're at, but it has no, it is very tonally different than the rest of the book. Yeah. It's like, uh, 
like the introduction to like the entire anthology of Brothers Grimm, but then the next page is a random fairy tale or something that fits yeah. in. Right. It fits in the theme in the universe, but it's only supposed to be a bookend to remind you of this light darkness, uh, Mercury origin vex, uh, and then we. You know, there's only one real other than Mercury. I think the only other connection is it does mention uh, music, and I know, I know it, we'll talk it, about that it later. It calls out Vance. I think that's the, the, oh, end, the end. Yeah, the end you're cap, right. You're the right. end cap does call but, out Vance, but I think in the beginning, the the other than Mercury itself, the main callouts would be the spires and the music. But yeah, if you if you happen to skip that chapter one, uh, chapter two is really the first part of the story. Mm-hmm. for this book yeah as far as the main part and the the music call out that you're talking about is the fact that they say the pools inspires pulsed dull tones and recognition and the starless black sealed once more mm. so it's there is just a little bit of call out for what's to come it is kind of a foreshadowing a little bit knowing that there there are dull tones that are happening which i think is important to note there are dull tones that are happening not just when guardians die according to the introduction card this this chapter one card you have a call out saying that this quote-unquote music type thing that is happening is not unique to guardians it is something that is continuing to happen with other possible triggers yeah that's a good point but anyway so chapter two i don't even know how to pronounce i have to look it up pasta Postelectic, postelectic. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, post postelectic. Postelectic. I think. Hey. Hang on. I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. Post. Po- post yeah. yeah. Post exile, basically. Oh. It's fo- it it yeah. translates into following the exile. <laughs> of gotcha. or related to post exile. Yeah. Wow. AKA literal after Osiris after left. Exile. Mm-hmm. Cool. So in this card, we have just the introduction of the cultist who have shown up. They, <laughs> I think it's funny because a lot of these cultists, from what we can tell, are civilian. And they mm-hmm. literally mm-hmm. followed him in a dropship all the way to Mercury. <laughs> like, <laughs> Even Segura's like, oh, look. <laughs> dropship approaching Osiris. Cabal. Nope. I wish. <laughs> Osiris, like Segura's like I wish it's your devotees it's like she's even annoyed with them at this point it just reminds me of the, the comment that Taylor had <laughs> he put a dog head on top of his head so we're gonna do that too mm-hmm. <laughs> oh god um the cultists show up essentially and are like we're here to help you teacher like literally go Teacher, we're here to support your efforts. I mean, I kind of get, uh, I kind of get me, a senpai. little bit of. Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's what it is. But, it's the weekend. Go home. Yeah, right. <laughs> Osiris is like, my efforts are none of your concern. Now go. It's, it's just. <sighs> yeah, we we need to talk later uh, about Osiris and his. I don't know his inability to deal with other people. Uh, this is something I don't know where you want to talk about that, but he uh, so stop me when you want. But he he is like consistently uh, terrible with with people. <laughs> I mean, me. Right. I mean, he just 
he knows how to manipulate a vex gate and and uh, the infinite forest and he knows how to balance the 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 weavings of time but he doesn't know how to tell people to, uh, to like how to deal with their lives without I mean, he, ev- everything he does makes it worse like he could he he tries to warn people that hey maybe the vex are a big deal and it turns into a cult and he you know <laughs> isn't that how i would have, okay personally most cult leaders quote unquote the figureheads not really a leader because osiris is not a leader of his group we've kind of discussed this yeah. it seems like as a figurehead he's he's constantly in this book telling people to go away don't help <laughs> me leave me alone can i go into my corner now like but he doesn't uh, he there's something he needs to learn honestly he needs to spend a little bit more time with saint 14 because what he needs to learn is that with the right guidance you can make someone go away in a way that isn't going to come back to bite you later and i feel like he's never quite learned that lesson because we'll talk about it later but if he had been a bit more supportive or you know if you want to be cynical he could have been manipulative he could have guided his cult in a certain direction or certain members of it um but instead he you know he shuts them down in such a non-understanding compassionate way that he just he makes messes later and, and I, it's it's interesting I, it's funny because you you mentioned how he could theoretically do it in a different way but i don't i don't think osiris could because osiris yeah. is Osiris is just literally trying to wash his hands of the whole thing at this point. He doesn't want to have anything to do with them. And he's hoping, he's hoping, even though it's not actually going to happen, that by telling him to them to just, like, piss off, essentially, it's going to make them kind of lose their, their luster for it by being nasty towards him. Because right now, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know if you have a ton of experience or if anybody has a ton of experience dealing with children who idolize you, who as a teacher, you'll have certain students who will just constantly follow you and just be there. Just that those doe eyes, like you are, you are the apple of their eye. You are the center of their universe and everything you do is amazing. Like you'll get young, young kiddos who have that kind of mentality and there's nothing like really nothing you can do short of redirecting them. And Osiris doesn't have, like you were saying, Osiris doesn't redirect anybody. He's just literally telling them, no, just no. He doesn't actually say, go do this instead. Go use your talents in this way in my name. He's mm-hmm. literally just, just like, uh-uh, go away. And instead he's got this group of people who want to make him proud and want to make him happy and have these little doe eyes and, <laughs> dreams and everything and he's not really supportive of it in any way shape or form yeah and and i agree with you that it's not really in his personality to be able to do that Mm. i just feel that uh it's the you know you make these prophecies to warn the people of the last city some of the people take it way too seriously and i mean in a way poor osiris right he has people either not believing him at all or believing him too much and yeah, it's just it's just an ongoing. I'd like to call it a character flaw, but I guess it's just the way his character is. He's very absolute with these kinds of things, and I I can see how yeah, at some point you just got to be you know tough love, and you just got to try and really divert their course. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I do feel 
I, I do feel that some of the treatment here you would see in a uh, in, in a not really great comic book story where the uh, you know the the professor thinks he's onto a breakthrough and he doesn't get the grant money, so he decides to take it on himself. You know, and maybe if he had been supported from the beginning, he could have worked a little bit more closely. But yeah, it, it just goes back and forth. I, I do think that he he needs to, I don't know, maybe Segura needs to do some talking for him or something to try and, you know, gently dissuade people or turn them to better efforts that, that still serve his cause, but don't get in his way. Yeah, or not, or, you know, create a cult. <laughs> I, I Again... It's just, no, I don't, I, with Osiris, like, he didn't actually create the cult. The cult just kind of, he yeah. didn't, he just wasn't able to get rid of the cult. And I think the well, big thing here that, is that you're... I was going to say, I think that also goes to the point that humans need to have something to believe, to in. believe in. And mm-hmm. that was, that was the thing was like, so you, when you say the cult or the disciples just kind of created themselves, I mean, I think that's exactly what happened was that they were put in they're in a dysotopian environment you know they're they're in the last safe city that they know of and everything is you know not going great around them and there's no there's no uh greater power being given or being shown by anybody and then you know you have this one figure who for better or worse you know regardless of if it was the intent or not which I, I, I think it was not, you know, to be clear, but the the teachings of his works kind of hints at this greater power that's going on, this greater, you know, schematic of whatever. And it's done in a way that is is tailored to people because he's trying to convince them of, you know, the the information. I mean, it, it's kind of a recipe for, you know, that perfect storm esque type of thing. Because they, these are people who are looking for something to believe in, and right. he just happens to give them that. Well, look at the look at the options that they have in the city at this point. Right. They have That's, the speakers. Yeah. They have the the belief the speaker and the traveler and the vanguard and what they're planning on doing and how they're quote unquote fighting the darkness. And then you have this figurehead who comes out and says we have to prepare we need to be proactive we need to n- understand what's going on with the darkness to under to pr- better prepare for it of course somebody is going to follow that of course because there, you're going to have a fatalistic society who has already gone through a collapse and then the battle of six fronts with all the fallen and everything happening multiple times the civilians are going to want somebody who's going to provide them not necessarily with the answer but possible pathway to move forward because when you're under great stress the best way to help move yourself out of that stressful situation and help push yourself outside of that mindset that cycling um detrimental mindset is to have quote unquote a plan and Mm -hmm. that's what the cultists believe they believe that osiris has a plan and so they're going to follow him to try to help with whatever plan Osiris has. Problem is Osiris doesn't really have a plan that we have. Well, and I don't and I don't think Osiris in in defense of Osiris, I don't think he ever actually stated that he had a plan. His plan right. is basically research. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, let's figure this out. They're like, oh you have a plan. He's like, let's figure yeah. this out. Like, you know, like that's not really I think I mean, I think once once his teachings uh started becoming 
accessible by by everyone and started being you know this, this whole feedback loop started i really think somebody I guess it's hindsight, but somebody should have stepped in as his kind of uh, maybe as his speaker, you know, someone who can who can take their the excitement of the followers of Osiris and and, you know, so Osiris can go off and do his can can direct them. You know, Osiris is looking into the darkness. Uh, He needs you to, you know, I don't know. And and we talk about he talks about that a little bit later, but I, I do feel he needs like a someone who can man like a PR person or something, somebody mm-hmm. who can manage his communication because yeah, he's, I, you know, he's not the person in charge and he's, no. it's not his place, but I, I feel like, I feel like he has missed this opportunity time and time again, where he, he wants people to learn about what they obviously can't teach them everything right. because he doesn't have time and maybe they don't need to know, you know, there's that question of, the masses versus guardians consensus. Um, but I, I always just feel like Osiris accidentally makes trouble for himself. Oh yeah. You know, he's, he's trying. Yeah. Like he's trying to do, you know, to do this research and trying to do the right thing for these people. Um, but the way he actually handles those people, um, it, uh, it, it just creates, it just creates problems later. So yeah, it's, I guess if we can say anything about this book, it's that he's consistent. <laughs> he is that. I think that if there's any figurehead for Osiris to sp- quote unquote speak for Osiris, really, she thinks she can speak for Osiris. It's Sister Feora. Mm-hmm. You see her I, I would also, move. I would also say that he did try to do something similar to that with Ikora. True. Yeah. Because in because you see that in uh, uh, politics. Uh, mm-hmm. From I think it was a con- was it constellations um, mm. because basically and and he gets reprimanded for it so I mean you know it's like which I think both sides have their own pros like rights and wrongs on that particular reprimation like I don't I think that he was trying to get Icora to do what you're exactly saying the pieces of the PR stuff that he's like I have no like and from his perspective he has no interest in it. Like he, he really doesn't mm-hmm. have any interest, which is why he probably is so terrible at it. Is because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't that it doesn't exist on his radar because it's not well, important. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not. I don't want to. You know, I'm not picking on Osiris. He's you know he's shown you know his heroism and his knowledge, and and it is it's often very refreshing to have a character who's looking behind the scenes to find out why things work mm-hmm. and how they work. Um, I, I guess further validation of that is actually uh, during the season of uh, of the Undying, because when uh, I forget what the name of the lore card was, when uh, Osiris comes back and speaks with Ikora, he's impressed with what she's been able to do, and not only as a leader of you know humanity and the Vanguard, but also she was able to take his understandings of the Vex and and apply them in a way that. Uh, you know, that impressed him. So I, yeah, I guess he is doing, he was trying to do that with, uh, with Ikora, but yeah, his, his, uh, his major obstacle is not the Vex. It's everybody else who wants him to be their leader. Well, it's almost himself, right? Mm. And you see that every character is going to be fallible in one way, shape or form. Osiris is so good at his research and dealing with the Vex that his, his fault is his social interaction. Like he's Mm -hmm. not, He's not terrible one-on-one, but he doesn't, he can't communicate with the larger masses partially because he doesn't care to, like he, 
he tried with his prophecies, but the misinterpretation of the vagueness of what he has created still haunts us to this day. There are still things that everyone will pop up on Destiny, uh, the Lord Destiny subreddit, where they're just like, oh my gosh, the sisters, or blah, 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 this, this <sighs> prophecy from this card. It's just like, it's so easy to misinterpret, and he's not able to, in a way that would not cause mass panic, relay what he wants people to know in such a way that would not cause issues. I guess in a way well, we have I, to thank Saint for that, telling him well, to speak the other in thing, poetry, right? Yeah, the other thing, too, that I would point out is, like, it's not just prophecies that he's bad at translating, it's his own actions. Because, like, you know, to tie back into the the entry that we're looking at here, he has to clarify to Feora, he's like, no, you will not take action against the Vanguard. Like, because there's this interpretation by the disciples that they had, you know, slighted him or, you know, whatever. That he was kicked out of the tower when Osiris just left. Yeah, and he's like, and he, I mean, so he, he, to go back into the, the whole thing of like being kind of, I find it, I find it slightly amusing that a character who hates obfuscation as much as he does is so obfuscated himself. Mm-hmm. Like, or someone who spends his life interpreting things doesn't it, have sympathy it, for those who misinterpret. It, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I do kind of find that a little humorous and a little ironic. So I'm going to shift us forward a little bit because I think we could talk on Osiris's faults for quite a while. <laughs> like, chapter of three, the cult of personality is mainly a interaction between, uh, I believe, Sister Feora. Mm-hmm. and Brother Vance. And Sister Feora basically kind of, not necessarily chastised him, but she kind of she kind of chastised him. Then your first lesson is this. Listen. It's Feora's eyes. Um, the choice to close their ears is what drove the city to fail. It is why we must conduct our work here. It is why without us, their walls would will be for nothing. So there's such a belief, a strong belief in what they're doing is the right thing, which obviously if you're going to have some sort of fanatic cult, they're going to have to have a very, very strong belief in what they're doing. And Sister Feora definitely thinks what they're doing is correct by a long, long ways. Um, the other thing I'd call out in this card is... I would say it's the fourth to last paragraph where it says the spires of Mercury shall be filled with the glory of the traveler. Their light will shine against the long shadow when darkness reaches out to snuff out the sun. Mercury will sing when day finds night and we will direct it. These are Osiris's words by his own hand. We will, we followed the prophet here to facilitate his preparations for the second coming, whatever they may be. So interpretations of that, just that paragraph itself, I want to know your guys' thoughts because I have my own personal feelings about that. Kaz, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's hard to get the, the pyramid ships out of my mind, right? All through this season, um, we've been seeing evidence of their of their approaching, and that that's currently the way I'm looking at this. Is the somehow Mercury again is supposed to be a key location or a key element toward the defense? Right. I mean, their light will shine against the long shadow when darkness reaches to snuff out the sun. Mm-hmm. So darkness, pyramid ships, they're approaching. They're going to you know, snuff out the light, snuff out the sun. 
Um, I mean, it's still vague, but it seems a little bit, at least from that simple interpretation, it seems pretty straightforward, but I'm not sure how, right? How are these spires supposed to help in any way? Are they, you know, what are they? Are they collecting light or power? Are they a, are they a lens? Uh, yeah, I'd be interested to hear uh, what you what you guys have to think about it. Blue, I'm gonna let you go first. So I'm like, I think that Osiris is in his own way researching the Song of Life, the same way that the Hive were and pretty much everyone else has been. And I think the Vex are doing the same, and that's where you see the spires. They are actually antennas that are being attuned to the various aspects of the song and picking it up. So when you have Osiris doing research on the spires, he's trying to gather the disparate pieces of this, you know, this the symphony, if you will, of the whole the whole of the cosmos. And I think that's kind of tying back into the whole thing with the Song of Death, the whole thing that we kind of talked about i think it was uh lux and us talked about a little bit in the episode with him um about how the different responses are there um and it goes back to also what you were saying green earlier about like it's not that the music is only playing when guardians die the music is always playing i think it's that we recognize the discord the discordant pieces when a guardian dies or a change in the tune when the guardian dies, which if you're thinking about like music of the spheres, the philosophy of that with the universal motions would make sense. Even a harmonious departure from a universal symphony would be different than the normal background music. And so you're going to pick up on that background change because it's not what you are um, existentially used to hearing at all times, if that makes sense. Well, Guardians would technically be outside of the realm of the normal music anyway. Correct. I but was going to add to that. I, our deaths are the, the main source of that aberration. So a little thought to add on to that, which is um, in the Vault of Glass and many times throughout the game, throughout throughout the story, we, we see that Guardians, you know, the whole paracausal nature of Guardians, we are kind of exempt from linear time so it's interesting that that any change in the the balance or, or the the current situation of guardians would cause a change in the tone because I, I understand what you're saying it's this is the way the universe is this is the song now there's been a key change or a note change mm-hmm. or, or a disruption but at the same time it's interesting to think that that song is not tied to maybe causality or or it's not tied to time just the idea well, I think that, that guardians... is that's that's the thing though is if it's tied to causality guardians are by their very nature by stepping causality mm. the paracausality so, aspect of it i mean because para- yeah, i mean yeah. the definition of paracausality is literally to you know sidestep causality and so mm. you're you're avoiding the cause and effect loop which would then therefore interrupt, even if it's done harmoniously, which, you know, is, is kind of what is happening, is even though there's the dulcet tones of, you know, whatever, until, until you have an RTL, which mm. then it was called out that that was not a, a harmonious, what was it, harmonious two-tone, um, those pieces, even though they are harmonious, are not part of the norm. And that's why I think yeah. they're getting picked up, is because... The norm is like life and death. It's well, the, the norm circle. is 
it's like if you how the best to explain it if you are in a situation where every minute of every day you have um white noise in the background eventually you're going to get to a point where that white noise is not even recognized by you sure it is it is just a constant so but then if you have suddenly a burst of static in that white noise you're going to pick up on the on the static right but that's what that's the whole point of it you were talking about the causality causality and the idea that life and death and the normal music of how things are going how things continue to live and everything when you have that record scratch per se right of the because that's what it is it is us interrupting that normal song now the thing that i find super interesting about that line in particular about that paragraph the spires of mercury shall be filled with the glory of the traveler their light will shine against the long shadow when darkness reaches out to snuff out the sun mercury will sing when the day finds night and we will direct it that's those three sentences are before anyone hears the tones of the spire when the guardians die. It is correct. This happened. This happens before. Like that is a I, Osiris line called ahead. So mm-hmm. I would, I would counter argue, or I would counterpoint that with it's before any of the disciples notice it, and it is oh, also sure. a, it, it well. <clears throat> so a double kind of a double point, but. It's it's also a disciple who, you know, we've we've all seen the mistranslation of disciples with Osiris's words, but it's also Osiris telling trying to explain to them maybe why he needs them to take care of the lighthouse is because if these are truly antennas that are picking up on this song of life and that's what he's trying to research, then that is exactly what's going to happen is they're going that is going to respond to the light you know because again remember the the song of life is associated with uh the light whereas the aria of death is more the darkness so the vex are architects of the song of life not necessarily architects of the song of life but architects that help they're i think they're on the side of the quote-unquote side of the light at this point though in some respects i would be very much more Mm. akin to agree with that I do not think. <clears throat> to be fair, though, I also am kind of inclined to say that the Vex really aren't on the side of either. I think right, they're trying they're, to. I think they're trying to understand what in the nine hells is going on. Well, right, because if they're part, if we're going to go back to uh, unveiling and the gardener and the winnower, right, the Vex are part of the gardener play, right? Like if you go back to the game of life or the um, the flower game, mm-hmm. the Vex are essentially the constructs that help manifest order yes. i would i would agree with that i think they are yeah. i think they are the underlying um rules of the game so i was like gonna when, say if they 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 seem like the rules of the game so they're not really on i mean they're not they're not theory, on either not side on yeah exactly yeah unless i guess <laughs> unless one side tries to create disorder unless, which you could unless, argue that the light has right yeah. right the light which is introduced explain, a new rule yeah right. which explains the vex the fight against us correct a quick we question are, on the songs the of light of the logic sure yeah a quick question on the songs of life and and i guess death is do we know if those songs impact concepts and ideas or just life uh, because i'm wondering if um 
if you if you you know sing the death song they and the person dies it doesn't erase their existence they existed within earlier refrains of the song right correct i'm wondering so then yeah it's I'm not an un- i wouldn't to- say it's an unweaving mm-hmm. of sorts i would say that it's a cutting of the thread if that if right. you if we follow it's that not, kind of it's metaphor not there it's not glass it's definitely not the yeah, glass it's not they're not ability. picking the thread out of the weave they're they're cutting the thread uh at that point they're nipping it instead of unweaving it now that being yeah. said it's not that the vex aren't able to unweave as we saw with the vault of glass with the um gorgons and there Though was a reference not a, to the Oh, sorry. Go, yeah, there was a it. reference to the song uh, being used to destroy a planet, wasn't there? Correct. In, yeah. uh... Well, the Arya, yeah. Because okay. right. that was so the, uh, the oh, gosh, what was the title? It wasn't the um, Acumen or anything, was no, it? No, no, no. It was um, uh, the, the uh, I just blanked on the title that they <laughs> gave the, the first, the first Death Singer, basically. Uh, yeah. Uh, she killed, she assassinated the conductor of the, the choir and then basically they led, and I think it was like two, uh, uh, 20 singers of the death song, and they completely yeah. destroyed a planet. It was very, so the, very, the reason very I, traumatic. The reason I bring this up is I'm curious as to the, the nature and the limitations, if any, of the song, because singing something to life or to death is very powerful. But mm-hmm. bringing something into being is a different kind of power, or, or at least Correct. a different use of that power. And I, I, you know, destiny is interesting. It you can recreate most matter in destiny using glimmer, right? Yep. That's it's reprogram reprogrammable matter. So it's just interesting to think of Osiris pursuing, probably just pursuing it so he can get a leg up on the on the light and the darkness. But it's interesting to think of someone pursuing the song or the song of creation. When you already have like most things at your beck and call, it's, a, it's just an interesting thought there. I mean, it's obviously we're talking about a greater power. We're talking about the ability to undo planets or something like this. But here's here's a question: We know the death song kills. Does the life song actually bring to life things, or does it just sustain as a constant until mm-hmm. something is gotten rid of, or until we don't know? Because we know I don't. That- I don't- we know that they pursued the Song of Life to try to harness this the power of creation, which is what led to the perversion that was the Death Song. Right. Um, and we know that the Hive, we know that the Hive have dedicated quite a lot of resource or research into variations of the Arias. That's the whole point of the the choir, and like we saw that with. Um, Inquisition of the Damned with the mm-hmm. characters, the the um the three siblings with uh oh god, I just blanked on her name. But the the singer who was coerced by Savathun and kind of betraying all the different ones mm-hmm. are the two like it was Mal Malkineth, As Azathus or Azerath. No, not Azerath. Azerath's completely different. That's Teen Titans. Um Azavath. Azavath. I think Azavath was the sister, right? And then there was the severed knight. But like basically the the sister that was the the minor death singer was basically um uh brought on to Savathun's side in order to create a new 
verse, if you will, of the death song. Sure. Um, and so but, she, so they, they're, they're further degrading the song of life in various ways to create more and more interesting things. However, you know, right, the other thing my, is, or just real my, quick, the other thing on the, into the, the concept question, going back to that, mm-hmm. we know that that's not the case because when Toland heard the death song, he was killed, but mm-hmm. he wasn't completely destroyed. Toland is still present as far as we know, um, mm-hmm. as a, you know, I would almost say as a formless thing. So it, it yeah, doesn't it doesn't destroy it it destroys, but it only seems to destroy physical matter. Or at least maybe that's just the, the verse that he heard. You know, like there's a lot of different ways you could go down that road. Yeah, I think um Green feel free to jump back in, but I think it's a good it's a good point in question regarding the the song of life. Is it is it a song that's constantly playing that maintains life? And if it is, then the death song is what? It's a counter. It's a counter song. It's a, uh, you know, if you go into the physics of music, it, is it like anti, uh, like destructive, um, what is it called? Destructive interference where when two mm-hmm. discourse. Two fre- yeah. When two opposite frequencies hit each other, they cancel out. Is that the concept? Or is the song of life an active thing and the song of death is an active thing? I think that's, yeah. Here's, here's my, here's my postulate or postulation on this is the fact that you have the idea of music of the spheres, which is what this circles back to and probably will continue to circle back to music of the spheres is a constant vibration music quote unquote of the universe. It is what the universe is constantly singing because energy is the, um, vibrations of the different molecules interacting with each other and in, in interaction. What if the music of the spheres, the natural song of Earth, the natural song of Mercury, natural song of any place, is just the song of life? There's not a specific oh, yeah. no, song I, or verse. No. Mm-hmm. And then I, with I the think that's, hive, I, I think that's what it's being said. Right. So with the hive trying to quote unquote find the song, they are through paracausality in some respects manipulating the flow of what is supposed to be natural in that area and by doing that they cut the song or they discord the song or they add dissonance to the song which ends up doing the death and changing what the path of that current (laughs) set of energy is or that current person toland whoever is getting involved with the death song so that being two separate concepts, then you have the idea of this, these spires to bring it back to Mercury. Mercury, and the spires are pulsating with dull tones from the first card. Then you have the call out of the the uh, Mercury will sing type thing, and then you have the call out of the D sharp minor thing happening later on as we're getting further into the book. The idea that the Vex themselves have this ability to not necessarily harness the natural music of the area or the music of the spheres of the area, but have the ability to sense it in a way that mm-hmm. we don't yet. That yeah. it's on. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, you'd think you'd think that they would, they would have some ability to sense it if the music is governing the, the rules of the game. Yep. Right. If they, if, if the Vex are supposed to be maintaining the order of the game, then they're going to have better hearing of it than anyone else. 
if that's what it's for. I mean, there's a right, lot of right. postulating, but yeah, I, it, it would make sense. And it's interesting to think, do some of the Vex have the ability to, uh, I don't, I was going to ask if they would have the ability to manipulate the song in order to, you know, try to, uh, re- uh retain order. Yes. But we've heard I before would, that the Vex. I would I say yes, say that though, the, because that's what yeah. the Martyr Mind does. Yeah, and and we've heard before that the Vex that we're generally facing are builders. They're not, right. you know, warriors or, or anything like that. I think um, there's something to be called out there, too, is because that mm-hmm. begs the question, are those the only type of Vex? Yeah, are there no warriors? Are they all builders? Um, I don't know. I think it, the Vex, quote-unquote, being builders or not builders is or warriors or not warriors is mainly based off the per- our perception of what they're moving towards. They have right, quote right, unquote right. warriors, but in their mind, they are just trying to build and trying to get to their perfect ending or their, their ending that they're wanting to get to. And by doing um, with us getting in the way, they need yeah. to, get to be able to do it. So I was thinking that, yeah, landscapers, Mm-hmm. chopping down trees to make we're, room for <laughs> i mean we're weeds we kind of already know that we are the <laughs> weeds in this whole flower game and it's kind of making them a little mad oh yeah 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 no but i mean but even in that even then in that kind of layout that's just assuming that everything in the single species is a gardener i mean i'm just right. i'm just curious i'm not saying that there there are but I would be curious to see if we haven't even seen a true warrior Vex, you know, because we're only dealing with the peacekeepers. We're not dealing with mm. the soldiers, which I think is we actually is sort of actually with the soldiers. And didn't we have the the fanat- like there's different types of Vex that are kind of right. feared by other Vex. Like there's there's yes. different factions within them for sure. Correct. And those are functions. But I mean, I what I what I mean is like. I could see this being a a case where we can get in the in the future of the game are like, you know, they're like, oh no, you you think you've been fighting? It's like what happened with Zol, right? It's like, oh, you think you've been <laughs> fighting the Vex? No, no, no. Like this is this is just they're just you know keeping the peace right now. This is the true soldier, and it's like you know the new big bad, you know, depending on how far down that rabbit hole we want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, that that's a terrifying if, thought at the same time. And, and if the Vex are able to hear the music, then maybe that explains in a different way why connected. We've been assuming some kind of radiolarian hive, quote unquote, unquote, some kind of oh, mind, right? So maybe they're not they're like not connected that, that way. Yeah, they I they just like all that. hear the same radio station. <laughs> that's I like funny. that point. That's a really hmm. good point. Because they've been also described as living metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that. I like that. I like that theory. So I'm going to redirect us one more time back into the book itself. And I'm going to read from chapter four. And then I want to continue our discussion. So chapter four, Reflections, has the, the point where Brother Vance hears it the first time. So entry eight. Our peace was disrupted today by an assault from the warmongering cabal at our doorstep. I was ushered to safety at the top of the spire by Leanna, one of our warlock sisters. Without a moment's notice, she jumped straight into the fray and began to push our intruders back. During the battle, something strange occurred. 
Liana was fighting near insurmountable odds based on the amount of ammunition I heard discharged, and she was overcome. Of course, she was resurrected by her ghost, but the spire reacted. There was a hum. The timbre consisted of two distinct resonating tones, one smooth and warm, the other sharp and cold. I thought I could have imagined it through the ringing of gunfire, but it was the most cer- but it was most certainly there. It was almost imperceptible, and I thought merely a coincidence until it happened again. Aramac, the other warlock, the student of the Dawnblade, was also temporarily disposed of. The roar of the Colossus slug launcher tearing through Aramac's flesh was unmistakable, but so was the tone that followed. I have, I have to know more. We were able to withstand their incursion, but not without suffering a few casualties. Now we must prepare for a funeral, but my thoughts are dominated by that mysterious tone. Perhaps later we can try to replicate it. So the beginning, the beginning of the trials happens with this entry right here. Mm-hmm. It does call two distinct tones. You have the harmonious one, and then you have one that is not harmonious. Which sharp going and back cold. to yeah, which I think would be interesting because is the harmonious one the death of the guardian, or is the resurrection of the guardian the harmony? I mean, if you're going to go with the traditional use of how music is is created for, um, if you're going to go into like theory of. Uh, emotional creation within music dissonance almost always represents death right the harmony is harmonious uh music is always represented a either release or a um peaceful time and whatnot so when you have dissonance that is often that conflict that that painful conflict because small uh, music history note there was a period of time where dissonance was actually banned by the church you were not allowed to create music that had dissonance so for many 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 years things that we consider normal sounding music would be considered dissonant back in the day it was heretical like Yeah, pop pop music anything with a, a major seventh or a minor seventh built into it was heretical you were not allowed to use it so um luckily that didn't stick for terribly long and we were able to start moving away from that and using dissonance again because the idea that perfect harmony all the time is really boring is absolutely true because perfect harmony is boring you have to have some dissonance to create tension but but is it so boring that you don't even recognize it is it so boring (laughs) that you don't recognize the harmony i mean I would say that any time you have something that is constant, like you were saying with the idea of uh, white noise, the white noise. Mm-hmm, it's if you've Which... never gone out into the forest, like miles and miles oh, away God. from everything else, there's a completely different feeling out there because of all the noise being absorbed from our normal everyday lives. You don't notice the hum of your computer. You don't notice the mm-hmm. hum of a refrigerator Traffic. sitting in the room. Traffic. Yeah. There's so much noise around us all the time that you just don't hear because it's normal. Yep. So this, this these tones and, and the interpretation of it, I mean, so many points to pick at. The first one I want to direct is we're getting this from Vance's. And there's always this question in in the Destiny lore of, is the light actually, quote unquote, good? And is the dark, quote unquote, bad? Right. And the the interpretation of one is smooth and warm and the other sharp and cold. I mean, I, I guess I, I'm not 
the most knowledgeable about music theory, but I guess there's no misinterpretation of that, right? If there's something that is sharply different from the rest of the tone around it, it sounds sharp. Mm-hmm. But there, it's 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 another bias that we're putting on here. I mean, maybe the the if we are to take the interpretation that um, that smooth and warm is some kind of positive, maybe it's affiliated mm-hmm. with light, and the other sharp and cold is maybe affiliated with darkness, which could be a stretch. You could look at it and say, well, maybe from the darkness's perspective, it's the other it's the other way around. And the reason I bring this up is when when Blue was asking the the sentence structure here consisted of two distinct resonating tones, one smooth and warm, the other sharp and cold. Now, literally speaking, he's just talking about one versus the other. But a lot of times when you write like this, the one is the first one and the other is the second one. Mm hmm. So that that's a question I have too, as to is this, you know, uh, is this is there an order to this? Is this the smooth and warm? Is it the, you know, is it the light's response when the uh, the ghost uh, revives the guardian? Are those two tones happening at the exact same time, or does mm-hmm. one wait for the guardian to come back? Yeah, a lot, I have more questions I think than answers here. So I think the from a music perspective. I think the the two tones are simultaneous. And the reason I say that is because of the D-sharp minor thing that comes up later in the book, right? You, the, and I kind of talked about this a little bit during the episode with Lux about how the idea of D-sharp, D-sharp is a sing, singular note. D-sharp minor dictates that you have some sort of relative note. You have two things going on at the same time, at least, if not an entire whole s- slew of things going on. But if 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 the music thing is actually fairly accurate and that they're intending it to be this way, I believe what I would, if going into music theory, that the dull, smooth note would be what is considered a pedal tone, which if you think about organs, they have those pedals at the base. Those are generally considered long notes. There's the constant pedal tone of what's going on, which if you talk about the hu- the the buzz and the white noise, that is that is the pedal tone. That is the the constant, right? And then you have the mm. sharp note, which could mm. dictate being a a very short note. It could be a short note that is very loud. It could be a short note that is very dissonant, meaning that it clashes with the note harmoniously. So um, then, so then, is what. Are we thinking that what Vance is hearing, maybe he hears the smooth and warm first, almost as a prelude of the music getting disrupted. Maybe there's a, you know, the the raisin pit slight. It's almost a, the smooth and warm would represent the music that's happening all the time that he's now tuning into Mm -hmm. because he hears the sharp and cold uh, dissonance. Then my question comes around to say, how come he doesn't hear a sound when the Guardian is revived? So that may be more so the re- the release of the light of the guardian being extinguished, right? Like you have the mm-hmm. guardian being killed. That could be the burst of energy that the spire is picking up on. As far as the relativistic aspects between the the two tones, think of it like the if you're looking at a color swatch, you have different colors interact with differently with each other. So you can have the idea of the same color being constant all the way across, but if you turn it slightly one way or the other, and I'm this is a terrible explanation on an audio podcast, and I'm sorry for it. <laughs> but if you turn the swatch slightly, you may see that 
the colors are the same across the board, but it may just react differently with one shade of that color versus the other. So you have that shadow effect mm-hmm. happening. Um, it's all relative. So yeah, I guess I guess it could also be like to build on that more. Uh, I guess tonally, the the release of the light of the guardian falling. Um, it's it's uh, if we assume that the music is happening all the time, mm-hmm. the music is is sustain the universe in in you know its ever changing way. The guardian falling, we've talked about representing a disruption. The guardian coming back up would probably be drowned out by the regular song because it's it's creation in a way or it's it's a small act the universe sustaining song maybe it could be it could also be completely um not able to strike a chord with with the natural music because we're paracausal so if the creation of guardians and the resurrection of guardians multiple times is completely outside of causality the death of a guardian possibly being a quote-unquote cause more of a causal thing it's more natural so it picks up on it more the actual strumming of the chord mm-hmm. but this this theory could go on and on and on i do want to bring up before we start to close out this episode the most annoying part in this entire book <laughs> according to blue <laughs> chapter six beguiled guess who's here guys <laughs> she's everywhere She's everywhere. Is it the actual stranger? Oh my god, I wish. (laughs) Don't make me Zabathun. No, never mind. Um, (laughs) No, Eva's still at the tower. Yes, she is. Marasov. So, Vance goes to Marasov. And the interaction is probably one of my favorites, because Mara's just (laughs) like, what are you doing? (laughs) My lady, speak. She just says, Speak. She commanded. Was he a dog to her? <laughs> I. It's funny. I just. I kind of want to read this. Blue. Since you're in the tower, would you read this with me? And you yeah, played Brother Vance, and I'll play Mara. Uh, we would start with the. I mean, it makes sense. You have the right stuff for this. The so it's beguiled, right? Yes. It's about halfway down. Starts with my lady. <clears throat> okay. My lady speak i was hoping this would be more of a conversation than a presentation i do not have time to converse do you have something for me or not i have great many things truths that must be acknowledged with ramifications reaching far beyond these walls it requires your extraordinary insight then speak you seek nothing in return I do. The information I have is extremely sensitive, and I ask the room to be cleared until we've spoken. We are alone. Say what you came to say. I've discovered something quite disturbing, yet wholly revelatory. As you know, we've been running these trials for some time now. On Mercury, there exists a spire, one of many that we've called the Lighthouse. Inside, a two-tone note resonates whenever a guardian death occurs. It's a strange and almost imperceptible sound, but I hear it so clearly as you hear your voice today. The tone tells me... That that guardians have dangerous potential within them. My queen. Why do you think I allow you to stay here? You believe you have occupied my reef without my knowledge of the studies you conduct? How... how did you... We know this truth. We are awoken. We are balance. Brother Vance, I would advise you to finish up your trials with a defter hand and destroy all records of your findings. 
You've stumbled onto something too grand in scale for your comprehension. Keep this to yourself. You know everything, and yet I have learned nothing beyond what I came here with. I would like some clarity. Come closer. Closer, I said. I cannot offer you any clarity. The universe will reveal all when the time comes. There is, however, something you can do for me. Yes, anything. When you see your friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have him check yes or no, please. <laughs> <laughs> will you go out with me, Osiris? Check yes or no. I find your your golden your golden projections pretty. They're shiny. They're shiny. Now, I mean, Mara's pretty, it's pretty easy to see here that Mara knows what's going on, has understood what's going on, knows more than Brother Rance does. And you get the confirmation here that there are two separate tones being done almost simultaneously. And she postulates more that there's something more dangerous within Guardians than you realize. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> question here. Yes. Sorry for the, the, what's the, the oddball, but how did Mara make her... How did Mara make the distributary and the Awoken? Uh, we, to be clear, we don't know that it was Mara that made it. Okay. So, so there's the assumption that she did, though. Right. Yeah. Well, so there's is, the, yeah, yeah. Is that we the connection that she, here? Does she, does she know she, the music because she may have, if it, she even if have, she didn't actually built it, she may have heard it before? Heard it, and that's how she, because she did technically create the Awoken. She also, and, the, the other thing that the Awoken have that I would say Brother Vance doesn't is the Awoken are obviously a combination of light and dark. And they mm-hmm. have probably explored that line more, more than any other grouping so far within Destiny. So they would have the, op- uh, the opportunity to understand that within every creature, there is both the potential for light and dark to be used. Just it's the application, right? It's the... Right light and dark are two sides of the same coin they're just how do you use it and the idea that guardians and as we talked about this a little bit with lux on friday that the guardians within the trials cards or within the trials weapon cards specifically are there are some that are a lot quote-unquote darker than others Mm-hmm. So, uh, Sora or Sorla or however you pronounce her, that warlock who basically yeah. was semi sort of trying to torture somebody. Mm-hmm. There's there's the potential for more darkness within a guardian. And I think that's something that Mara is not necessarily afraid of, but cautious of. I just I think when I'm thinking back to <clears throat> to the Mara Senna and the story of the early Awoken, this is. This may be one of the few times where I can get behind the idea that Mara knows what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, she's been she's been connected in a lot of other ways, and she has the Oracle engine and and everything. But she always acts like she knows everything that's going on. And I'm thinking about this now after talking about this music of the spheres and everything. This may be this, yes, as Awoken, they have that line, but maybe uh, Mara specifically has seen this potential up close uh, or used it. I, I'm not sure, but that, uh, that brings greater confidence that I have that she actually knows more about this music than, mm-hmm. uh, than anyone else. And as far as what Mara told brother Vance to do, um, you get it in the, the next card in chapter eight, idolatry. And she 
Mara wanted Brother Vance to tell Osiris to plant the seed. And Osiris Osiris understands from what we can tell. Mm-hmm. Which what what do we think that means? Do we even want to venture a guess of what he means by that? Well, I think that I mean my, obviously it yeah, go for it, go for it. Oh thanks. Uh from my perspective, there's two there's two options. One's pretty literal and one's metaphorical. Mm-hmm. One one is the the what are we calling it? The artifact, the relic that he uh obtained from deep space in the in the earlier web lore, the edges of uh of our solar system. Mm-hmm. The other is I'm not exactly sure. The the metaphorical idea, plant the seed, is usually used metaphorically in terms of the idea, you know, inception mm-hmm. and and uh, the maybe maybe she wants him to uh, to guide guardians or the vanguard or something in, in a certain way. I I think it's more literal to be honest, but I think like anything in the lore, there's a lot of interpretation. Absolutely. When does this take place? This card in particular is this modern day? Blue, do you have any idea if this one's when? This when does beguiled take place? When does idolatry come into play? Oh, idolatry. Um. It depends on when the web lore takes place. Remove yourself from this lighthouse. Find a simple start. I'm just trying to figure out if there's any callouts so, as to when this is happening. Like, because there there is a lighthouse mentioned here. I believe it's very very possibly the the original lighthouse and not the new lighthouse. But it's yeah. hard to tell. So, like, I want to say this is interesting. Um, after Vance feels. Uh, when he's reprimanded by looks out over the horizon and it says the distant pulsing of an unclaimed patrol beacon. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the- do we, do we think that the, uh, that the followers uh, like the two warlocks that were there, did they set up a patrol beacon? I mean, that we have may- patrol beacons on the, on Mercury. I think right. that's just, but if we go, if we go by timeline, when was the first time other than the trials of Osiris guardians, weren't really at Mercury in D1, right? It would be after Curse of Osiris. Oh, mm-hmm. we got to go to Mercury as as early as House of Wolves. Because that was right, where the... But, true, true. But yeah. the, the lighthouse beacon, so, like, the actual patrol right, right, events, right, right. that doesn't take place until uh, Curse of Osiris, when we actually get Mercury as a location. Correct. Yeah, yeah I was just trying to find other clues that would help us figure out you know when he was i I would think that this is probably going to be pretty close to current events um because again with the web lore we have rasputin getting information from or not we get osiris getting information from rasputin to then find the seed that mara is talking about or what mm-hmm. we assume Mara is plant, talking about. Plant the seed, whether seed, it's an really, idea or a physical yeah. seed. Well, and the this reason might... why I say that is because the web lore details his retrieval of a seed, which is mm-hmm. kind of, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, it's so much on the nose that I kind of feel weird not connecting those two. You know, yeah. like. I, I just realized this might solve a question we had earlier. What's that? We were worried about, we were concerned as to when Brother Vance had met Osiris because mm-hmm. we've seen him talking about this card confirms that they met. And yes. we go to Mercury and he says all the time things that suggest that they hadn't met. Um, so Which I guess that's... what's happening, yeah, he only meets Osiris 
very recently. So right. all the time that we I spent in Curse of Osiris and everything, if Brother Vance does say something like, I can't wait to meet him, or I wish I had the chance to meet him, something implying he's never met him, that is true before, you know, what this or last or the, the last six months, I guess, or the last, you know, recent events in in Destiny. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think, yeah, I think this implies that it's, it's after the web lore. I, I do think it's connected to this seed, this, this relic or artifact from the Maw. And I guess this implies that Brother Vance to meet Osiris until uh, last September, maybe at the earliest. At the early, well, yeah, at the earliest, because then the other thing is too is because um, the web lore kind of hints that it wasn't even until very oh, recently true, yeah. that he that Osiris interacted with Rasputin because that was the whole old man yells at the cloud thing. Mm-hmm. I can't believe we had an entire season where I set up a sundial like down the street from the lighthouse, and Brother Vance is, you know, oh, I wish I could meet him. He's he's right there. He's, you know, where the big <laughs> split in the in the moon is. He's mm-hmm. right. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure make, Osiris. Is he does, he's blind. He's blind. Yeah. Give him some. Give him some credit. <laughs> yeah, Oof. but I, I do think. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think that's within the last season. Given I mean, that that uh, the web lore uh, was with Rasputin and going out to deep space around that time. And the next card, the final card, the Inspire card, does mention that he's in the new lighthouse, or the new lighthouse obscured the silhouette of the sun. It casts a long shadow that wormed across Mercury's uneven terrain and orbital locked perpetuate, or perpetuate, I can't say that word. Ships descended, some flawless, others to maintain what fragile hold the Vanguard claim. Rust and sands baked in distant space was alight with half-earned talk of posterity. And then at the end of this card, we get that whispered speak again. Mm-hmm. If it's a very not fun ending card, it drives me crazy. Both the intro card and the ending card to this, because of the whisper speak in particular. Vance could hear weeping, not with tears, but in the ver- in the low hum he had come to associate with death. That is that third to last little paragraph without any of the brackets. If you read it with the whisper talk, Vance, the implement could hear their inspired voices weeping, not with tears, but in the voracious, low, ceremonial hum he had come to associate with death. He closed his eyes and saw what was to come. Dun, dun, dun. Does the, uh, you mentioned the double bars earlier uh, mm-hmm. for this kind of narration. Where was that? That's in Constellations. That, constellations. So, so not, yeah. does the traveler speak with double bars and the darkness speaks with single bars? We because don't know who the speaker is, though. True. I just, I mean, the voracious ceremonial associate with death, right? Um, I, we don't know who, who the, the speaker is, but it, to me, the tone, it, uh, yeah, to, it does seem like with death and darkness and, mm-hmm. and that the bias of the speaker would would view death and darkness as something to be celebrated or, or, you know, voracious. I just, it's funny how they call Vance the implement. Yeah. I mean, the light gets a speaker. Why wouldn't the darkness? I was just thinking that. Yeah, that's (laughs) okay. Then it's an interesting (laughs) thought. Brother Vance, the mouthpiece, the mouth of the darkness, essentially. Yeah. I don't know what that would mean, but 
a ghost him, you know like what, what would his traits be <laughs> it's interesting that it calls out that he has come to associate it with death not that it is actually the hum is not necessarily specific to death but it has been associated which is what we've been led to believe this entire book so it doesn't give us any conclusion as to what's actually going on. It does bring up more questions, though, because Bungie. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta keep us invested. Here's one answer and 50 more questions. Yep. I think that is a really interesting dive, this whole book. I love this book. I, I love and hate it, which is most of my feelings with the books I tend to really, really dive into. And I am excited to see more of these tendrils come together the whole thing between mara and osiris the seed what is the seed the music anytime this whole concept of the music of the spheres comes up i just it just drives me freaking batty and i i love it i i love 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 this turned me down a, a, a rabbit hole thanks to blue bringing it up the other day probably four or five hours pretty easily devoted to just reading up on things so it's a good book do we have any shout-outs that we want to, or final thoughts for this whole thing? Uh, Kaz? Um, uh, not sure. I final thoughts? Yeah, I, like I said, I think it uh, definitely goes deeper into the light and darkness. I agree that I hope it, it, it leads somewhere that there's a connective tissue in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and in terms of shout-outs, I'll just uh, give a shout-out to any of my community who happens to be listening or, or hanging out with us. Um, anybody here who's listening who wants to join us, we talk about this kind of stuff whenever other people to talk about lore in my stream. Uh, you can find me on Twitch, Kaz underscore PhD. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Blue, green, do you? About you? No, Green, you uh, go first. Okay, shout-outs for me is a shout-out to you, Kaz, for being willing to... Uh, uh, we had that scheduling conflict kind of come up, and with everything going on with uh, life and quarantine <laughs> and everything just causing everybody some chaos, thank you super, super, super much for allowing us to reschedule this to a time where we're able to actually really devote some good focus to it. So a big shout out to you and a big thank you for joining us. You've been an awesome guest. So thank you so much. Before Blue says as well <clears throat> i was glad to see that uh you know that i and uh, uh i mean the scheduling is what it is life is uh, uh very interesting right now and uh, i appreciate you inviting me to the show and allowing me the chance to yeah to bounce ideas and ask odd questions of the lore because that's one of the things i love absolutely all right blue your turn uh no i mean just this kind of in the same vein you know big thank you kaz for jumping on and being willing to put up with our shenanigans while you mm-hmm. know everything's going on <laughs> and also just again a big big shout out to everyone who's been patient with us while we try to figure out you know how everything schedule wise is going to work and you know all that fun nonsense that is not fun at all um but yeah, uh, and then also just as usual, thank you for joining us. And with wisdom we conquer, stand strong, stand tall, and keep exploring. Bye. 
With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.